This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Mark 10, Mark 10, 46 to 52. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him on the way. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. God. Once upon a time, the story goes, there was a stone cutter. Each day he went up to the mountains to cut stones. And while he worked, he sang, for though he was a poor man, he desired no more than he had, so he had not a care in the world. One day he was called to work on the mansion of a nobleman. When he saw the magnificence of the mansion, he experienced the pain of desire for the first time in his life, and he said with a sigh, if only I were rich, then I would not have to earn my living in sweat and toil as I do now. Imagine his astonishment when he heard a voice say, Your wish has been granted. Henceforth, anything you desire will be given to you. He did not know what to make of the words, so he returned home to his hut that evening and found in its place a mansion as magnificent as the one he'd been working on. So the stonecutter gave up cutting stones and began to enjoy the life of the rich. Well, one day when the afternoon was hot and humid, he happened to look out his window and saw the king go by with a large retinue of noblemen and slaves. He thought, how I wish I were a king myself, sitting in the cool of the royal carriage. His wish was promptly carried out, and he found himself reclining in the comfort of the royal carriage. The carriage turned out to be warmer than he had assumed it to be. He looked out the carriage window and began to marvel at the power of the sun whose heat could penetrate even the thick walls of the carriage. I wish I were the sun, he said to himself. Once again, his wish was granted, and he found himself sending out waves of heat out into the universe. All went well for a while, I guess, as it does when you're the sun. Then on a rainy day, he attempted to pierce through a thick bank of clouds and could not. So he got himself changed into a cloud. 
and glorified in his power to keep the sun away till he turned into rain and found to his annoyance a mighty rock that blocked his path so he was obliged to flow around it. What? He cried, a mere rock more powerful than I? Well, then I wish to be a rock. So there he was, standing tall upon a mountainside. He barely had time to rejoice in his fine figure, however, when he heard a strange clipping sounds coming from his feet. He looked down and to his dismay found a tiny human being sitting there engaged in cutting chunks of stone from his feet. What? He shouted. A puny creature like that more powerful than an imposing rock like me? I want to be a man. So he found he was once again a stone cutter, going up into the mountain to cut stone, earning his living in sweat and toil, but with a song in his heart, because he was content to be what he was and to live by what he had. That story ends kind of innocently, doesn't it? It feels like it needs to end in tragedy. <laughs> I, might have, I might have had a different ending there, but it's clever. It's very clever. And the little uh, line of the moral there is, nothing is as good as it seems before we get it. And it's easy for us to look around and imagine that others have it better than we do, right? The proverbial grass is always greener somewhere else. And it can seem that everyone is on the path to somewhere while we are stuck where we are. And I wonder to what level social media has played a role in exacerbating this grass is greener phenomenon. According to Elizabeth Miller, professor of pediatrics and chief of the Division of Adolescent and Young Adult Medicine at Pitt, uh, said there are three ways, at least, social media can exacerbate perceived social isolation. One, social media use displaces, displaces more authentic social experiences because the more time you spend online, the less time there is for real-world interactions. So it could kind of be a thing that sort of snowballs, right? You spend more time online and see others having a nice time, you feel worse, then you spend more time online, and it can sort of go on. Secondly, certain characteristics of social media facilitate feelings of being excluded, such as when one sees photos of friends having fun at an event to which they were not invited or couldn't attend or what have you. And we've all been there, right? You wouldn't be human if you weren't scrolling through and seeing something fun and exciting and feeling just that little bit of, man, I'm bummed to miss out on that. Thirdly, she says, exposure to highly idealized representations of peers' lives on social media sites may elicit feelings of envy and the distorted belief that others lead happier, more successful lives. And often the nature of social media is to present our best side or present a sort of curated slice of our lives that, of course, does not contain the whole. The reality is every human struggles because we're all human. Now, they didn't have social media back in first century Palestine. Surprise you to know. <laughs> but there were still ways to know when something big was going on. And if you lived in Jericho, for example, you knew this because you lived on the road to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the city where big things, big and exciting things happened. And Jericho was the last stop on the way. And so you would know, if you lived in Jericho, when something big was happening because the streets would swell with 
pilgrims and animals and families and children and individuals all on their way to a large annual pilgrimage festival. Something very exciting. And if for some reason you couldn't join in that due to life circumstances such as poverty, a disability, physical disability, or perhaps bad scheduling, you plan that big work project right during Passover, just very bad planning. If you couldn't join in, this flow of humanity and enthusiasm would feel like a slap in the face. There goes everyone, and I'm stuck here in this old town. And our story takes place on the road out of town, and this would have been a perfect spot for those whose livelihood depended on begging, because here, as pilgrims were about to set out on the last 15-mile stretch, no doubt their mood would have been elevated in anticipation, and they probably would have had the means uh, to help out those who were in such a struggling position as they were on their way. And so Jesus and the disciples are leaving town, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus hears about it. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, the crowd immediately tries to shush him up. It says, many sternly ordered him to be quiet. This man's whole life, he had likely been written off. Poor, physically unable to see, reduced to begging. He is a cast off. Someone not invited into polite and proper company. His very name, Bartimaeus, means son of the unclean. And what happens when people that our society marginalizes and oppresses and consider unclean speak up? They get told to shut up, know their place, be quiet, stay out of the way. Nearly 10 years ago, 17-year-old high school student Trayvon Martin was shot and killed while walking home from a convenience store. His crime is wearing a hoodie while being black. A year and a half later, 18-year-old Michael Brown was shot by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. His crime walking on the street instead of the sidewalk while being black. Onlookers said Brown had his hands up and was not a threat to police. Less than a year after that, police arrested 25-year-old Freddie Gray, also African-American, for possession of a knife. 45 minutes later, he was found unconscious and not breathing, his spinal cord nearly severed after mistreatment in a police van. He went into a coma and died seven days later. The next fall, San Francisco 49er quarterback Colin Kaepernick decided to sit during the national anthem rather than stand, as is the custom. And then in consultation with a teammate who was also a veteran, he suggested, why don't you kneel? Might be a more respectful way to voice what you're doing. And so he began to kneel every game before and during the national anthem. And he did this, he said, to protest the injustices that are happening in America, the oppression that continues to happen in this country. And even though he had taken his team to the brink of a Super Bowl, they were a few yards short 
of winning when the game ended. Even though he had signed a multi-million dollar contract extension, he would play his final NFL game just a few months later. Why? People didn't want to hear it. People did not want to hear it. He's disrespecting the flag. He's disrespecting our nation and our service members. I just want to watch the game. Keep your politics out of it. You remember when all this was going on. I'm still struggling to understand how kneeling is an insult, but we'll you know, leave that aside for now. But he spoke up and he was told to shut up by the very society willing to overlook its own racist and racialized past and present. Bartimaeus speaks up and he too is told to shut up. These are important pilgrims passing through our town. Don't embarrass us, Bartimaeus. Keep quiet. You'll bring attention to yourself and to others we'd rather keep out of the spotlight. Don't want our town to look bad to all these pilgrims passing through. Well, Kaepernick refused to shut up. He kept kneeling, and soon other NFL players joined in by raising a fist or kneeling during the national anthem. Less than a year later, then-President Donald Trump called on NFL owners to fire players who wouldn't stand for the national anthem. Well, instead, several owners kneeled or locked arms with their players as a show of unity during the national anthem. Five years later, meaning today, Kaepernick remains committed to social justice work and has never again played a down football in the NFL. But he's still speaking up. Bartimaeus, too, refuses to shut up. The text says he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. I love that he's being told to shut up. And it says he cries out even more loudly. Jesus calls him over and it says, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And that might be a line we would just breeze past. But you have to imagine a person in Bartimaeus' situation. That cloak might be the only thing he owns. And it might also be the very means of his livelihood. It probably was the thing he would spread on the ground as he asked for alms. And people would place it in there and he, you know, not being able to see, would be able to sort of gather the garment up and have what people donated. His garment was the only thing he owned. And his only source of livelihood. But Jesus calls and he willingly casts it aside and contrasts this with the rich young man who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? This rich young man was unwilling to liquidate his fortune, but poor Bartimaeus gives it all in an instant. Scholar Ched Myers says, the one at the top of the social scale rejected a direct call. Remember Jesus said to him, sell what you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. The one at the top of the social scale rejects this direct call, but the one at the bottom doesn't even wait for a call springing up and following Jesus on the way. And when he gets to Jesus, Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Remember, just last week, Jesus asked that same thing to James and John. But what was their request? 
They wanted to be a Jesus left and right. They wanted glory, position, power. Bartimaeus says simply, my teacher, let me see again. Let me see again. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Let's be clear here, this isn't how we often use the word faith, right? Belief in a certain list of things that might be true about God. This is faith that is unwilling to shut up in the face of society's oppression and rejection of you. It is persistence in believing that justice and healing is possible. Now this section of Mark's Gospel uh, begins in chapter 8 with the healing of a blind man and is bookended with the healing of Bartimaeus, another blind man. And in the middle, Jesus is trying to convince the disciples that his path is going to lead to suffering in the cross. His path is going to go up against the violence and oppression of the powers that be. But they are unwilling to see it. Our society still prefers in many ways to remain blind to its own oppression and injustice. The use of the phrase Black Lives Matter can still get you in trouble, especially in these parts. Mm -hmm. That's right. Some of you know that firsthand. Turns out that can also be true in Florida. Amy D'Onofrio is a teacher in Duval County, Florida, and she hung a Black Lives Matter sign or flag in her classroom. She was reassigned from teaching to what they called warehouse duties. In essence, she was fired. The Florida Education Commissioner said, we made sure she was fired. This commissioner, won't surprise you, older white male, said, a classroom that teaches Black Lives Matter or other crazy liberal stuff justifies censorship and the firing of teachers. One of D'Onofrio's students created a petition to have her teacher reinstated. And the student said, she has always advocated for racial equality and social justice since before I even entered high school. No, this teacher was already known. Even before the student had her, she knew, I can't wait to have Miss D'Onofrio. And she said, Miss D'Onofrio was the light in the darkness for so many students. That petition gained over 17,000 signatures. And this teacher said, teaching is not just my career, it's my life, my heart. Being unable to return to my classroom this fall devastates me beyond what I can fully articulate. Well, the school board decided to settle when she sued to regain her position instead of allowing the case to continue. And as part of the settlement, she's not permitted to seek employment in that district ever again. She can never again teach those students for whom she was a light in the darkness. A few years ago, while Kaepernick was still being blacklisted from NFL teams, Nike released a new advertising campaign featuring Kaepernick. Maybe you remember this commercial. He's narrating while there's sports imagery going on. If people say your dreams are crazy, 
He says, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Stay that way. Because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing yours. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. If you're born a refugee, don't let it keep you from playing soccer for the national team at age 16. And as he's saying this, there's a picture of a player, I believe for England, 16-year-old kid, refugee to the UK, scoring a goal for the national team. If you're born a refugee, don't let it keep you from playing soccer for the national team. And then he says, as there's a picture of LeBron James scoring a basket, don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. It switches to a scene of LeBron opening a school that he's helping start. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football. Play it at the highest level. And then the ad switches to show Kaepernick walking in the evening, long coat on, his afro all the way out. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Give me chills just watching that again. I encourage you to check it out on YouTube. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. That, at least in part, is what it means to see. Amen. 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 So. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.